0: it's a conversation yeah but sometimes I feel like you're you're like making some good points and (laughs) then I interrupt you and then you're like what was I talking about I'm never making good points (laughs) yeah you are on top of your dumb head (laughs) 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 all right hey guys welcome to the minimalist podcast (laughs) with sweeter calls is your new host
1: Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you will be fine without it
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are The Minimalists. Welcome to episode number 69. Today, we're going to talk about... Sex. No, wait a minute. (laughs) Well, it is episode 69. It is actually one of my values. (laughs) We're going to talk about... We're going to talk about values and, um, uh, but before we dive into that, we had today, we're recording this on April 2nd. We had an April Fool's joke yesterday. And I just want to say thanks for everyone who, who sort of participated and laughed and smiled and shared it with their friends and family. The cool thing about that April Fool's joke is it's one that'll live on. I think you can share it beyond now. We did something called the nothing app. Our, our friend, Matt Diavella came out, came to us and said, Hey, um, are you guys doing anything for April Fool's this year? And so last year we did like this minimalist t-shirt was $729. And if everyone who would have bought it purchased one, we would have made like $6 million. But anyone who clicked the buy now button last year, it took them to an April Fool's page, right? Because we don't sell t-shirts, um, especially <laughs> $700 t-shirts. Oh my God. And so this year, uh, Matt came up with the idea of doing the nothing app because we, all, we think it's a bit quixotic to, to believe that technology is going to solve our problems with technology we've created a bunch of technology problems let's solve it with our technology (laughs) uh that sounds like a south park episode or something right and so um we came up with the nothing app and it's an actual app you know a lot of people didn't know this when they saw the video so you can go look at the trailer if you haven't already it's just theminimalists.com slash app. We put it up in the podcast feed as well. I know our, our website was crashing yesterday, Ryan, because so many people were trying to download crazy. the app.
0: Well, what's funny is the people who did download the app, I uh-huh. did see on Twitter yeah. where some of them were like, is this an April Fool's joke or not? Like, it was, they were still deciding. <laughs> this,
2: this app doesn't do anything. Uh-huh, it's called nothing. <laughs> uh, it does exactly what we promised. So, yeah, I think that'll live on. If you didn't get a chance to participate in the fun um then you know feel free to go over to the dot com slash app you can see the the two minute trailer to that and you could actually download the app as well if you really wanted to. it literally does nothing it's but a white we, screen we, we we actually it took a lot of work to create nothing <laughs> uh you know we did the voiceover matt did three days of filming it and by the way, he did a a behind the scenes uh, how to make nothing video it, it took him three days and a whole like camera crew of people and, and editing and all this other hey, stuff and when we come up with a joke we commit <laughs> you have to man you gotta oh, yeah. go all the way in on the joke so you can check that out also uh, speaking of april 1st it wasn't an april fool's joke our documentary minimalism is now available worldwide Woo-woo. yeah man so welcome to all of our new listeners worldwide we're glad you decided to join us. You may want to go back into our podcast feed. You won't have to listen to all 68 other episodes unless you want to. That's great, too. But you can just sort of tweeze out the ones that are most interesting to you. Some of the most popular episodes we've done so far are on clothing, uh, the finances episode, the children episode, the technology episode, and also the the parenting episode. We've got a bunch of other ones in there as well. You can check that on iTunes. SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts, make sure you subscribe. And if you really love the podcast, if you enjoy it, then we would appreciate a, a five star review as well. All right, Ryan. Before we plunge into today's show, uh, let's just get this out of the way. Let's talk. We're going to talk about values today, and we're going to be answering some questions from you all. But uh, I just want to put this out there right away: values. Isn't, isn't necessarily synonymous and I don't want it to be synonymous in this conversation for morals or morality mm. or for religion. I, I, we have people from all different religions, different walks of life. Ryan and I have different religious beliefs. We probably have similar morals, but um, our values are a bit different. Our, our values go on on top of that. So values are somewhat amoral. They can be moral. They can also be immoral. Someone, a psychopath can value something that doesn't actually serve the greater good and so when I when I talk about morality, what I really mean is serving the greater good. And when I talk about values, I, I mean what adds value to my life and the, the lives of others. So, morality could be a value. Morality could be a value, yes. Yeah, yeah it definitely could. In fact, um, w- one, w- one would argue that it's a great value to have is to live a, a moral life or to serve the, the greater good. Also, uh, I just read this from Seth Godin. It's super short, it's like two sentences. But it's the perfect essay to kick off to today's show. It's called, All We Have to Do is Be the Person We Say We Are. That's the title of the essay, which is just about as long as the body of the essay. I love Seth because he does these little pithy blog posts that just make you think. And, and they change your perspective in a couple sentences or a couple paragraphs. So here's what he has to say. We'll put a link to this in the show notes. No need to shop for a better you or to work overtime to make bigger promises. Keeping the promises we've already made is sufficient. And I think that's what my values are for me. My values are in a way a promise to my future self. Here's the person I want to be like the most. I want to be my 40 year old self and and aligning my actions with that self is really promising myself, uh, promising me that I'm going to live in accordance with, with those values. And so today we're going to really uncover what that means, what is a value. And uh, oh, before we j- jump into the, the callers, Ryan, a couple of, of quick updates from, well, two things. Uh, one is, we well, already mentioned this, so I don't have to mention it again. That's nice. We're on Netflix already. <laughs> So I've already mentioned that. <laughs> woo, woo. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's, it's April Fool's, not Groundhog Day, right? Oh yeah. Now the, the second thing to mention is um, we are hitting the road. One week and one day from today, Well, from the day that's supposed at least, we're head, headed out for the Less Is Now Tour. We have proposed 47 different cities, 19 of those we've already announced. Tickets are available for the first 19 cities over at lessisnow.com. Ryan and I are going to give a talk about minimalism. We're also going to record a live version of our podcast and answer all of your questions, or at least some of your questions, while you're on the road. We'll dish out some free hugs, so come on up and say hi after the event as well. Tickets, cities, dates, all that good information over at lessisnow.com. All right, let's uh, jump into the questions here. Our first question is from Rob in Pensacola, Florida.
3: I was hoping that you could provide a definition of what the phrase add value means. On one hand, it's a pretty intuitive idea, yet because it's used so often on the podcast, I think having a definition provided is very helpful um, because it is, it could become very subjective where it means either nothing or everything. So when discussing what add value means, it might even be helpful to talk about why something adds value or how something adds value
2: Alright so what does added value mean and is it subjective well first off yes it is certainly subjective I wish that I could say well, here's my prescription for values and here are the 100 values that will make me and you live a meaningful life First off, that sounds daunting. That's overwhelming, yeah. right? And and so uh, I, I don't have a prescription for you because the thing- Well, it sounds that, boring too
0: if everyone had the same
2: values. It, it would be boring, right? Because we'd all be living the same exact life and yeah. we'd be robots. Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I don't have a prescription for you, but I can tell you what some of my values are and some, what, are the, what are the different areas of values as well. So you need to get clear on on what, what does value mean to you. So to me, Rob, value just means- if something adds value to my life, it serves a purpose or it brings me joy. If not, then it is not a value. Now, we have to talk about different types of values because there are some values that not all values are created equal. Some are certainly more important in our lives than others. And so because it is subjective, you need to determine what are your values. And so uh, my partner and I, Becca, uh, she she and I have been sitting down and really going over this exercise of looking at the different types of values in our lives. In fact, uh, she's working with a lot of her clients now over at Minimal Wellness uh, and helping them identify what their values are as well as part of their their health plan. It's part of it's just helping them get a, a clearer mindset on what they what they want. And so she put together this worksheet that I think will help people out. If you go to minimalwellness.com/values, it's the same sort of formula. That, that Bex and I use to identify what our values are but Ryan there are four types of, of values that we've identified uh, uh these are like
0: different categories of values yeah or, it helps, supp- us dig, helps us dig a little bit deeper into what values actually are because I could see where maybe for Rob it gets a little confusing where uh you know the um sixth extra pen that he's holding on to will one day add value and uh-huh. uh yeah there's, I'm certain that uh Some people go down the rabbit hole of of of, like talking themselves into every single thing that they have does add value in some way. So yeah, to help identify how valuable those things are, I think that uh, this approach is really going to help.
2: Yeah. So so uh, just to continue that example, whether it's the pen, you may get. uh, I have a pen here with me. I get value from that pen, but I don't get the same value from that pen as I do from our relationship. Right. So relationships are a value. But a tool like a pin is a value. How do I distinguish those? Well, there are four categories that we'll talk about here, and we won't go through each of our individual values in detail, but we'll at least give you some examples here. So first off, you have the foundational values. Now, Ryan and I wrote about those values, the five uh, most important we call higher order values. And for this point, the point of this exercise, I'll call them foundational values. Uh, we identified five higher order values that uh, helped us live a more meaningful life, health, relationships, creativity or, or passion, as uh, we refer to it in our in our book, minimalism. And uh, then, of course, growth and contribution. I think all of our values serve either growth or contribution in our lives. So yeah. whether it's a, a tool, or it is a, just your health in general, or creativity, uh, these, w- no matter what it is, it's going to serve either other people, you're going to be giving in some way, contributing in some way, or it's going to help you help you grow as an individual. And so those are the foundational values, the higher order values. Those are the values you need to really live a ideal life. And at least for me, those are the values I identify to, to live that ideal life. It's the foundation upon which we, which we build. And then from there, you have three other categories, what I'm going to call core
0: values, minor values, and imaginary values. Okay. So let's think of this like a house. Yes. Okay. So the foundation values, that is the slab of concrete. That is what everything else sits on. Yes. So I know for me, if I'm feeling discontent or, uh, you know, feeling unhappy or confused, whatever it may be, I know I will go back to those foundation, the foundational values. And I'll ask myself, like, where do I sit with these? Like how, much attention am I giving these values? And quite often I will discover like, Oh, you know what? I don't, the last time I talked to my mom was a month and a half ago. Like mm. I really need to call and see how she's doing. Yeah. why well, I haven't talked to my brother in a while. I need to give him a call or I have not I haven't, I haven't added value to Josh's life lately. Yeah. So I'm going to get him some coffee or something. So, uh, that's why I think, um, the foundational values are so important because everything else rests on top of those.
2: Yeah, and if you have a, a weak foundation, everything else is going to crumble, right? Absolutely. And so the next, the next set of values would be your core
0: values. I would also call these your principles, right? So this is like the framing of the house, the walls, maybe the, the yeah. different rooms set up.
2: Definitely, yeah, and maybe even like some of the drywall. And it, it, the, these these core values are, are your principles. And We often hear that word principle. Used to describe, it's almost used interchangeably with the word values, but I think a principle is a type of value. The, these are what keeps the house held up in, in your metaphor there, right? And so, just a quick example some of my, my core values are autonomy and certainty and communication and compassion and freedom and free speech and gratitude, insight, integrity, intimacy, mobility morality oh we, we talked about earlier morality can be a value yeah for me mm-hmm. it's one of my core values here a uh, morality quality, uh, uh, better but fewer things, right? Uh, respect, sexuality, significance, solitude, trust, truth, and variety. And now for each one of those, I won't go through the detail, but I have a one-sentence definition for each one of those. It should be tweetable. You should know your values, and they're strong enough to, to live up to a tweet, basically. right? <laughs> and from there, you can expand on them if you want. But my definition, so I'll give you a one, one example. Uh, let's see here. Uh, free speech, the ability to say yes to what needs to be said. Now, that's how I define free speech. That doesn't mean you pull out the dictionary. In fact, I would encourage you to hide your dictionary. I want you to define your values for you. What is What does free speech mean to you, if that's one of your values? What does mobility mean? For me, it's unfettered by geography, right? And so not being tethered to... to to a place necessarily right and, and so these are my core values what are your core values you want to get really clear on that those are the principles that hold up the 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 facade of your house right mm-hmm. and so that would, that would be the next category there the the minor values to me the my minor values make life more interesting aesthetics yeah. and coffee is a minor value for me concerts entertainment music reading social media now that that can fall into the next category as well so any of these can really a uh, style, teaching, technology, tools, and in parentheses, I have useful possessions next to tools. That's what a tool is for me. It, it's a possession that I actually find useful. It could be a literal tool like a hammer, or it can be a
0: lamp that I use to light up the house. That S- is a, a type of tool. So these minor values are, it's like the artwork on the house. It's the, fir- it's, it's the furniture in the house. It's like not necessarily things that you, you have to have to live, right? Uh, but things that you need in your life to... Help make your life more interesting and more enjoyable.
2: Yes, uh, they're they're wants that are justified because they're deliberate wants in your life. So you've questioned these things, and you know that I do truly get value from it. It's not a
0: core value. I can live without it. It's not a need. My like, core value, like values, a bed. It's like I could sleep on the floor. Uh huh. Great. But like I really find value in my bed. Yes, I'm exactly. I'm way more comfortable in in my bed than I am sleeping on the floor. Exactly. And so uh,
2: we're not we're not here propagating a life of asceticism. We don't want you to to live in perpetual pain and suffering, uh, uh, or deprivation even. What we're trying to uncover here, what are the things that actually do add value to our lives? What are the tools? What are the aesthetics? And so, yes, Ryan, it could be the artwork. It could be the furniture. It could just be the paint on the exterior of the house or the bricks or whatever, the facade of the house. Th- those are the minor values. It's the things that make life more beautiful and more interesting. And the fourth category is imaginary values. Mm. These are the obstacles in our lives. These are the things that we've pretended are valuable to us, but they actually get in the way of what our real values are. And they force us to misprioritize our life a- a- in a way that we're allocating our time to things that we pay lip service to. We say that, that that it's a value, but really it's not a value at all because we're not getting true value from it. It's, it's keeping us from living the life we want to live. Well, yeah,
0: if our foundational value is relationships, uh-huh. but yet when we're around our significant other, friends and family, and we're always on social media, and that's preventing us from... Uh, investing into that foundational value, then we've gotta be able to look in the mirror and like say, hey, that might be an imagined value. Like mm-hmm. that's social media, or for me, it's news. Uh, that might just be a distraction from the things that are truly important. So like going back to that example with the sixth pen, for example. So, so let's say uh, that Rob, he writes down all of his values And he kind of puts them in these different categories. Well, that's when you can take things like that sixth pen or maybe it's a sixth junk drawer and ask yourself, like, is that serving any of these values uh, here that I listed out? And if it's something that serves uh, an imagined value, then again, like we've got to be honest with ourselves and ask us if it's actually something we need to uh, spend time on. I think maybe the
2: thing I would ask there, if we do have an imaginary value, so some of my imaginary values, for example, are chocolate. Chocolate is a, <laughs> an imagi- because I, it tastes good to me and I am able to enjoy it, but it sometimes gets in the way of what I, any of my other sort of health goals would be. Right? right. And so if it gets in the way, then it is then an imagined value where, but the question is, can I make that a minor value? And for me, it, the answer is yes, because I will temporarily deprive myself of that and I'll limit myself to the amount of chocolate that I'll eat. Are you unwrapping
0: chocolate month. underneath the table right now? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> insert chocolate it, unwrapping yeah. noise there Sean. <laughs>
2: um you, you know I, so so for me like chocolate so that's a th- an actual thing but then there are other other things that aren't things efficiency is a imagined value i think quite often yeah we're, we're trying to be efficient uh, get things done go 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 go. priority is, is our pri- pr- productivity is another um uh, imagine value in here. We try to be productive all the time. We're busy, 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 but we're not necessarily effective or doing things that are meaningful. And many of the things that we do ape the form of productivity, but don't actually allow us to produce what we want to produce they don't serve our values so email is a good example for me right now that's probably a minor value but it is very rapidly slipping into the imaginary values because it it stresses me out and it gets in the way of my other values and and you know i'm interested to see can i live a life without email even And, and if so what what does that look like and so i'm going to start asking questions about that because with these imaginary values you either want to move them out of your life altogether or figure out how do they become a minor value in your life. and, and Because it needs to go one way or the other. Becoming a minor value means I found a way to use this more effectively. I've, I've found a way to use it so that it serves my values instead of getting in, in the way of my values. Mm. And uh, let's see, scarcity is another imagined value for me, imaginary value, because, man, as soon as I... Like, I I get into that like you see you it, it, it's most pronounced in commercials obviously right you're like act now supplies are limited i better act now Be, right and like it it spurs you to take action which is okay in some cases but most of the time it's imaginary that scarcity is so
0: interesting man you're right like that what a what a brilliant marketing technique i never looked at it that way but it forces you to make a decision uhhuh like it it forces you to it, a decision that has not been in your life Right. Until you saw that advertisement, all of a sudden it's like you need you need to decide right now. There's only there's a limited supply. Do you want to act on this or not? Yeah, you're going to miss out otherwise. Wow. Yeah,
2: and so scarcity is one. And there are other things for me too like Instagram or YouTube. Uh YouTube is definitely an imaginary value for me uh, the way that I use it. Like I would just binge it. Um and so I found a way to make it a bit of a minor value by turning it into entertainment entertainment and scheduling an hour a week to just like sit down and watch and, Canadian rap battles. Yeah, sometimes Pat Stay is my favorite Canadian rapper. Um <laughs> but uh, uh <laughs> anyway, um it it's really about determining what are what are those things that are getting in your way right now? And the things that you're pretending are valuable to your life that aren't. Mm-hmm. So Ryan, I'm sure you had had many of these back in in your life of yesteryear where yeah. it was, you know, some sort of t-shirt or
0: something in your life where you're like yeah, I'm going to use that someday. I'll hold on to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah, you mentioned T-shirts. It's like, I think back in the corporate day, every single event we went to, we got some type of like corporate logo T-shirt. Here, welcome to this event. Have a T-shirt. They were incredibly uncomfortable, too. Yeah. They were, like really yeah, they stiff were, cotton. And they, never, and they never fit right. But, you know, it was great to have for yard work or like if I was doing some, you know, drywall or painting around the house or something. Like it was nice to have a, a junk shirt
2: yeah you're not going to wear out in public really
0: right so there were there uh, was a a certain value there but when i had 20 of them (laughs) there is no there's no value with 20 of them
2: did you ever wear all 20 of them at once (laughs) that could be an interesting experiment like putting all 20 on to realize how absurd (laughs) i think there's a youtube video
0: of some guy doing Uh, that (laughs) (laughs) you like put on as many shirts as you could anyway no but i mean I, i think writing out yeah, writing out this list, um, it does help you to get more clear on, okay, what exactly is uh, valuable to my life and, and what am I just imagining has value? Like, you know, uh, back in the corporate days where I would just drink every single day mm-hmm. uh, as much as I could. To get that nice drunk feeling. Mm -hmm. So then I could go to sleep at night and wake up and like, you know, do the whole day uh, over again. Yeah. And, you know, now, uh, so I would say that at that point, like alcohol was this imagined value. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at this point where if I'm out with Mariah, especially like when her sister's with us, Mm -hmm. uh, like we were in Chicago. We went to her uh, restaurant that she works at and she like brought out this sorbet and um, she's like, "Oh, you're gonna want to have some Moscato with that with that sorbet." Now, Moscato—I uh, know you don't drink, Josh. Moscato is a very sweet wine; it's a dessert wine. Okay. Um, you typically you just you typically don't just sit there and drink glasses of Moscato. Okay. Um, it's so, it's so incredibly sweet. So uh, that's like something that I, I never would have ordered off the menu in my life, but with the sorbet with that in that Moscato, like it totally elevated that entire meal. Like I had no idea that you could pair a wine like that with a dessert and just like somehow make the dessert better. Um, And I really enjoyed it. Now, am I going to go out and have, you know, buy a bunch of bottles of Moscato now and have Sorbet Moscato every single night? No. Um, but it, it can certainly, uh, it, it certainly can be a, at least a, a minor value. I, I wouldn't yeah. think I would ever call alcohol a core value, <laughs> but it's like, but it's, like, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean,
2: my mom would have, <laughs> and uh, uh, may she rest in peace. But I, I for, even for her, it wasn't even imagined. Actually, alcohol was not even imagined. She knew it was in the way, but like she yeah. just couldn't stop doing it or chose not to stop doing it. Right. shouldn't say couldn't. She certainly could have um, continued to, to drink. Throughout most of my, my childhood, and it was it was unfortunate, but like at some point, that was the other thing too. Like it was an imaginary value, but it was it was truly just an obstacle for her, right? right? And, and it definitely prevented her from from living her best life. She was an outstanding woman, but that she had this ten
0: foot wall on the way of, of her values. Yeah. So that's yeah. I guess uh, just reiterating, like that's why I really love the idea of approaching values in these four different categories, is because it does. Uh, help us realize what is actually adding value mm-hmm. and what is getting in the way exactly and so sometimes things will slip
2: from this has happened to me recently things will slip from the minor value section to the imaginary value section mm-hmm. so i was in the sauna this morning with this uh, woman from south korea and, and her and i were talking and she's like hey I all your documentary and uh she's like y- there's a lot of people in in japan and korea who who like your work and i'm like thanks and uh and she's talking about how in south korea in particular how it's become very americanized and, and there was just a few generations ago i think the average income um was like after the war was 64 dollars a week or something oh wow it was a really small amount and and it's it's changed appreciably since then right so it went from deprivation to abundance and then beyond abundance And and excess. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's a culture of deprivation that quickly transitioned to a culture of excess. And what she was talking about was that you're getting those basic comforts and you need those to have some certainty in your life. That's one of my values is certainty. I mentioned Mm -hmm. that. Right. And so once you get beyond that base level of comfort, though, people start to become uncomfortable with the comfort they've created in their lives. The smartphone is, is a great example. It's a wonderful tool for me, uh, being able to listen to podcasts and share a photo or whatever. But also, I was at—so uh, yesterday, I took Ella to the Inflata house, and uh, it's me and a bunch of other parents who are just, like, sitting on these bleachers watching kids play, right? And it's like Lord of the Rings or uh, Lord of the Flies, I mean. It's like just kids going crazy, um, uh, and we're spectating them sort of like gladiator actually. And, and so, um, as we're spectating them, I noticed that every parent who's anywhere nearby is on their phone. I mean, not most of them, everyone. And so I'm like, cool, it's phone time. Ella's down there playing. She's busy. And I'm like, wait a minute. What are you doing, Josh? Like, do you need to do this? And that's the question. Is this a need? Does it actually add value? Does it serve a purpose or is it going to bring me joy? And no, it wasn't serving a real purpose that served my values. It was pacification. And, it, and in that moment, my smartphone was an imaginary value. Mm. It, it would have not made any difference whether or not it was in the car. And so I went out and I put it in the car and I went and got her snacks for her while I was out there. And uh, before I did that though, uh, I took one photo. And uh, put it up on my Instagram account, so that can be an imagined value as well. I did, I just went, uh, did the quick boomerang thing on on Instagram, and um, just shared an Instagram moment real quick. And she's like, "All right, now take another picture." I'm like, "No, we're we're done with pictures now." And she's like, "But but her mom's taking more pictures." I said, "That's fine, and they're allowed to do that. I'm not judging them." And she just kind of smiles at me and. And, and runs off, and I ha- have the one picture from that, and then the phone goes out in the car, and I'm done with it. And that's turning that that, that thing that could be an imaginary value back into a, a minor value. It's about using it more deliberately. And so, Rob, I'd love to give you a copy of our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. We'll send you either the audiobook version, if we have any audible download codes, Sean, you can reach out to him, or the the book book version. We hope you hope you enjoy that. Our next question is from Matt in Lexington, Kentucky.
3: When you place all your identity in your corporate job, just like you guys talked about, and you know you you minimalize that part of your life, right? I minimalize that part of my life as far as the job's concerned. How do you go from changing your identity where it's is all about corporate America and how far you've made it, and those are the things that you talked about, you know? And and how do you, how do you change from that to your identity into something else, and I don't know if that if that makes sense. I'm I'm trying to figure out what is my identity. You know, who am I without being this thing that I put ten years of my life into?
0: You know, Josh, if Matt went through this exercise of writing down all his values and and putting in, putting them in one of these four categories, I bet you, if it's not in his uh, foundational values, mm-hmm. then it would be in his core values of being. Uh, someone who who contributes something, uh, you know, uh, m- more than themselves, uh, someone who needs recognition. Yeah, sig- someone,
2: significance <coughs> is a value that I, that I have on mine.
0: Yeah, and I think everyone needs to feel significant to a certain extent for sure. Yes. And, and being accepted. Right. So, you know, uh, keeping that in mind, the the question is, is how can you take those things from your corporate experience, Matt, your, your, your job title, Uh, well, not from your job title, but your actual job. Right. What can you take from there? Like with me, I remember going through this same thing and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I really love to, uh, lead. I really love to contribute. I really love to also be accepted. And these are the things you loved about your, I I love, I, yeah, I I need to be, uh, be significant someone else's life. And I was able to do things like, uh, you know, do, do go to the food kitchen or uh, contribute to like big brother, big sister, or or maybe it's another community project, uh, Matt, like just look at, look at the things that you can incorporate into your life that will still uh, fulfill these, these needs that you have. Um, but instead of it being, you know, 20% of what you do, find something where, you know, that's 60, 70, 80, 90% of, of it. Yeah.
2: It's, it's about really making that shift. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because my shift happened while I was still in the corporate world because we ask these four words in this single question. I think it's a, a rather per- pernicious question. It's, what do you do? When you meet someone for the first time, that's one of the first things that we hear. What do you do? And then we give whatever our title on our business card is, and then that person recites back their title on their business card, and we spend the next five, 10, 20 minutes talking about our vocation. There's nothing wrong with that. We all have to earn a, a paycheck, But our identity then gets wrapped up because we answer that question so frequently, and I had a good answer to that. I'm the director of operations for 150 retail stores, and that was an impressive answer, but it's not the only thing I did. When you ask, what do I do? Well, I go to concerts. I read books. I write. I eat dinner with my family. What do you mean, what do I do? Oh, you're saying, where do I work so I can compare you to me on the socioeconomic ladder? And when we posit the question that way, it totally changes. And so what I did is I changed the way that I answer that question. I spent a year experimenting when someone came up to me and said, what do you do? I said, I'm really passionate about X. Now for me, that X was writing, but it's a great experiment. I've had a bunch of our readers have, have tried this in the past where instead of telling people what your business title is, tell them what you're passionate about and then flip the question around. Say, what are you passionate about? Now, you might get a deer in headlights at first, right? You might get the, uh, but I was going to uh, tell you my bit. Here's my card. Here's, and, and all of a sudden, you, you have to get past that little barrier. But once you do, the conversations become a lot more meaningful because you talk about what you're passionate about. It doesn't mean you make a, a living off of it. If you do, that's great. Sometimes there's an intersection between vocation and, and passion, and that can be wonderful, but it's not necessary either. So if you want to change your identity, one of the things you really want to do is start changing your answer to that question, talking more about what you're passionate about.
0: Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you how I answer that question is instead of saying, um, uh, I'm really passionate about X. What I'll say is, is, you know, I really love to snowboard. What do you love to do? Yeah. 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 And asking someone what they love to do, it is like, you know, they're not going to bring up work. Right. I mean, maybe they do and they do love what what they do for a living, which is great.
2: There are certainly cases like that, and but uh,
0: but I gotta tell you, um, I have very rarely had people reply with their job title. Mm. Um, <laughs> although I will tell you though, it, it, I have, and I guess you've probably experienced this too, where even you know, you answer with, um, I'm passionate about this, what are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. Eventually, they'll be like, Yeah, but what do you do for a living? <laughs> how do you make money? And I'm like, Are you asking me how I make money? Is that is that what you're asking? Yeah, such a weird question, <laughs> It right? really is, man. Yeah, you're like. Um, what's your social security number?
2: Right. Um. Yeah. Like it. It that may not be that important. You know. And and so my question to that would be then, well, why do you want to know? Because we could talk about how I, you know, I, I I teach a writing class. So so that's part of how I make a living. Let me understand your question better. Right. Is, is something that that I would say to that is, oh. Well, what do you want to know so that i can help direct the the conversation in, in that way now when you're having this conversation with yourself matt uh f- there are five questions that i asked myself early on when i was making this transition trying to shift my identity the, f- the first question i asked is why did i give so much meaning to this stuff now for me that was actual stuff physical material possessions stuff stuff but then also like other stuff uh, how i spend my time why why have i given so much meaning? to this stuff, this lifestyle that I've, that I've created. Right. And then, uh, the question, the follow up question of that is what's truly important in my life. And that's different from why have I given so much meaning to these things in the past? What am I going to focus on? What is truly important in my life? The third question I asked is why have I been so discontented because I created what's supposedly the ideal life, but I wasn't contented by it. Uh, I felt overwhelmed and stress and 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 because I was living by someone else's template, right, and so why have I been so discontented and you follow off that question with Who's the person I want to become now that means what is my template, not someone else's template right and then ultimately the the fifth and, and final question I ask myself is, how am I going to define my own success and and that question allowed me to say, okay it's not this American dream, it's not a number of likes or followers or money, or any of these arbitrary goals that, that are successful to me if I'm not happy. Because success without happiness, as Tony Robbins says, is failure. Mm. A- and so you can be as so ostensibly successful as you want, but if you're discontented with life, is that real success? No, for me, happiness is, is growth and contribution and, 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 and being willing to, to acknowledge that that's ever-changing. And if I don't, if I don't realize that that's always changing, then I'm going to become stagnant. And so my values are going to become clearer and and shift over time as well. And, And ultimately, I need to make sure that I align my daily actions with the person that I want to become. And I think, Matt, if you do that, that's how you're going to uncover what what your identity is. Uh, we'd love to give you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains, Matt. It's uh, Ryan and I moved out to a cabin in the middle of nowhere in Montana like five years ago and started writing this book about our, our five-year transition from being these suit-and-tie corporate guys to becoming minimalists. And it was a heck of a time, but in that, in that process, especially in the middle, chapters 7 and 8 in particular, um, we really had to start questioning our identity. So, in there is the story of us questioning our own identity and how we made that, that shift as we, as we jettisoned the, the things in our lives and started filling our life with, uh, with what was truly important. We'll send them a signed copy of the audio version. <laughs> our next question is from Andrew in Vermont.
4: I was really unhappy for about seven years. And so was, and I had unhappy marriage, and an unhappy life. And last spring, me and my wife sold pretty much everything we had. And we took a six week trip across the United States uh, with our two toddlers. Uh, and now I live back in Vermont. I have a completely different job and I've really embraced the minimalism point of view. Uh, my question for you today is about values. Um, in the past, years that you've been a minimalist and identified as that have you found that your values have changed um, and how do, you, how do you deal with that and what's the best way to deal with
3: that
2: so Andrew's story reminds me of uh, a story that I was telling on Facebook live the other day Ryan when we were having one of our Mondays with the minimalist sessions we were answering some questions and to me I, I have this friend he, he does canning or what well, they're, they're jars but we call it canning. <laughs> but they're mason jars. <laughs> and I wanna call it mason jarring. But <laughs> he, he he does jarring with like foods. Foodstuffs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love food. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> and so but yeah, if you have a whole basement full of these jars, before you put anything in them you have to boil water and sanitize these things so that they're clean. But if you boil the water and sanitize these, these jars and then put them back on the shelf for a month, they're not ready a month from now, right? And it, to me, that was the perfect metaphor for minimalism because Andrew's talking about how they sold all their stuff and then that would have been the first step. Getting rid of the clutter is the first step, but it's not the end result because you then have to figure out what to fill it with. Once you've sanitized your life, so to speak, you have to figure out what to fill it with. And, and then he filled it with some travel. He and his two toddlers and his wife went and took that six-week trip. And, and um, man, he, he's found more happiness in his life. And now that he's back in, back in Vermont and he has a different job, he, he's saying, okay, have my values changed? And he's asking us, guys, did your values change once you embraced minimalism? And I think for me, uh, the short answer is no, but my priorities changed. So not my values, but my priorities, and also my beliefs change. I I think of my beliefs as the pathway to get to the values, and and that's why Ryan and I have radically different beliefs about religion and also about politics, but we have similar values. We get to the same place via different pathways. And I've recently been writing about this and thinking more about it as not just a, a like a road pathway, but more like a waterway, and the water sometimes gets redirected as your beliefs change if something just comes and plugs up the dam, then all of a sudden, your water's going to move in a different place. Your belief is going to change. You're still headed toward your values, most likely, but your values rarely change. They, they tend to solidify. And for me, my values, with minimalism, once I got the excess out of the way, I was able to see clearer and, and more clearly identify what my values are and, and put it into practice and writing them down and then trying to live that life in accordance with, with my values. And now, whenever I feel discontented uh, I I realize it's easier for me to determine why because I'm just not living up to my values. And so because it's easier for me to determine why, it's also easier for me to to fix it. Or maybe not easier, it's simpler for me to fix it because I'm able to identify what the problem is and that's the the first step in, in
0: offering any sort of solution. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. Uh, yeah, my values, again, the short answer is no. My values did not change. Uh, Once I went down this this path of of minimalism and introducing this philosophy into my life, what it helped me do is be honest with myself. It helped me to like look in the mirror and really get clear on like a what my priorities are Mm -hmm. and to act on on those priorities. So, uh, no, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think my values, uh, changed, but, but yeah, certainly, um, I just have a much clearer picture now of what I need to focus on. I was just
2: thinking about this, man. Like I didn't know what my values were really. Yeah. I mean, I probably could have rattled off some things yeah. that, that I would have said were a value. Yeah, you'd Oh,
0: well my health is important, obviously. Right. Right. But mm-hmm. I was
2: 80 pounds heavier and I was eating fast food and and loaves
0: of bread and yeah and i'm like oh my relationships are important but my mom lived a half hour away and i you know might have seen her like six or seven times a year yeah and it's i mean i didn't really do a good job of fostering relationships
2: yeah lip service
0: priorities, we call it well andrew we'd love to see you
2: man if uh we're gonna be on tour the less is now tour a bunch of different cities but the second city we're coming to is burlington vermont and we hope to see you there we've never been to vermont it's one of two states we've not been to so we're excited to see you there andrew if uh, sean if you can reach out to him maybe get him a couple tickets if he's if he's able to go for anyone else who's interested in seeing any of those other tour dates it's just lessisnow.com. that first little wave is i mean pittsburgh burlington boston portland maine and then from there we're dispersing all throughout the country having a, a bunch of a bunch of good events. So we hope to see you all there. All right, we'd love to hear what you all have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about values, including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com where are our favorite comments and tips on the next episode.
0: Hey, guess what time it is? time is it? It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalist lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and
2: Facebook.com slash The Minimalists during this lightning round. This is where Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so that you can copy
0: and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. Kiki wants to know, it's hard for parents to pass on the minimalist ideals in the mer- materialistic society. Any tips? Okay, so my, my short answer
2: to this one, Kiki, is to demonstrate our values, we must do more than tell, we must show. And really what I'm saying there is, is you, can, you can tell someone their values or your values to your blue in the face, but they mean nothing without
0: action to back it up. Preach. Kiki, leading by example is the best way to transfer our values and beliefs to others. Mm. Yes, indeed. All right, Sophie wants to know, how has minimalism changed your values? I
2: kind of talked about this with with Andrew a little bit, but here's my more concise, tweetable answer. Minimalism didn't change my values. It helped me discover what my values are.
0: Yeah. Minimalism helped me to stop giving my values lip service and take action. Mm. Yes, indeed. Our last question is from Pia. If you are living by your values and not happy, how would you go about changing things? Mm. So I think
2: it's quite the quandary. And I think that's maybe where I was before in the corporate world, Ryan. So here's the answer I would have given myself at age 28. If you are
0: living by your values but aren't happy, consider changing what you value. Yeah, I said something similar. I said... If something you value is making you unhappy, you may not value that thing as much as you thought. Yes, indeed.
2: All right. Well, let's move on to our added value portion of the show. This is where
0: we each recommend
2: something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, what you got?
0: Dude, I'm about to change your life and our listeners' lives. (laughs) We should just cut the podcast right there no but seriously <laughs> to so we <be> continued <laughs> to be continued last time on the minimalist podcast no um my my friend abe Risho came over the other night we had some of the refugee uh i had a couple of the refugee families over and there's probably like 10 of us um i went to shashu uh she's from eritrea and i'm like hey if i invite you over uh, and your family, and like yeah, this other family, and, and a couple friends. Like, we will, will you cook for us? I'll I'll get like all the ingredients. And she's like, Yeah, absolutely. So she came over and like cooked for nine or ten of us. And Abe brought this uh this spice. So Abe used to run a restaurant in Missoula called the Silk Road. It's it's no longer open anymore, but they have these spice mixes that they sell. Uh, I think on Amazon. So I know you can for a fact you can get them anywhere in the United States. Um, you probably can get them overseas as well. But he brought over this Ethiopian blend. And uh, like when Shashu smelt it, she was like, oh, yes, I'm going to eat. Like she knew right away like it was a really good spice. <laughs> so she just made like some like lentils and like cabbage and potatoes, like very, very simple dishes. Right. By the way, like they are like fasting <laughs> you're doing the air quotes with the, yes right because they're now. eating during their fast well they're, they're, it's they're like a fa- meat fast or something right <laughs> yeah like basically it's no animal products so okay. no dairy no meat they, they do vegetables only yeah. um and then they eat like at only certain times during the day so like they they definitely do do intermittent fasting right um but it was just i just can't wait till the next time uh they come over and they're not on their fast anymore. Uh-huh. Um, and even like, she, cause we were all like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" And, and that she was like, "You haven't seen, you you've, you haven't seen nothing yet." I mean, she didn't <laughs> say it like that, but no, she was like, she was like, "Wait till wait till our fast is over. When I can cook some chicken and and steak and stuff." And oh, so your recommendation is for the Silk Road the spices. Silk Road spices. Yeah, there are there are like eight or nine different blends, and they've got recipes on the website, and it is a game changer. They mm. are apps. That's a game changer spice.
2: So we'll put a link to that in the show notes, and then just real quick, I have two recommendations. They're both, they're both sort of the same thing. Um, I remember being back, being from Dayton, Ohio. We'd always see the famous person in Dayton. There was one famous person who lived in Dayton. He actually lived in <laughs> Yellow Springs. MC Hammer. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave Chappelle, uh, and uh, he has been out of the game for the last ten years or so. But he had two new specials come out on Netflix uh, the past week or so, and man, uh, they are both hilarious and offensive and i certainly don't agree with everything that he has to say but it, it's a, to me it's a portrait of a man who he's watching culture pass him by he's aging and i see this now too i mean he's what 10 years older than us but he uh he's seeing like as culture changes and i think he's not necessarily ready for all of that yeah. he just has some
0: hilarious bits in there too dude when his, his whole bit like where his 12 year old kid wants to go see um kevin hart yeah, yeah, oh at, my! At Hera Arena, by the way. Yeah, dude, that was <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I'm, not yeah. Even, I'm not even gonna start paraphrasing it because I don't want to ruin it for the audience, and I'd butcher I butcher it. But right, that's like the out of those. Yeah, that's the funniest part. All right,
2: so yeah, I'm I'm a bit biased because I really love Dave's past work, and I can tell you this: he's probably going to offend many people, uh, but I think that's what comedy does. And a lot of times it offends us. It also makes us question, or in some cases, strengthen our values. Mm. Wow, Dave, I really disagree with what you said about transgender people. Mm. And that means I'm different from you, and I have different values. It helps me solidify what my own values are. By questioning those values, you strengthen it. It's the opposite of a straw man argument. It's an iron man argument. You, you want to constantly challenge your values and your beliefs and your perspectives, and you do that through various different perspectives and also i found most of the jokes pretty funny too yeah i thought it was great too man so they're they're both on netflix the the first one uh, took place in la and it is called age of spin That, that one's in la and the other one that took place in austin texas is called deep in the heart of texas i hope you enjoy both of those if you are ready to be offended all right let's quickly move on to right here right now this is where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. If somehow you missed it at the top of the show, our documentary, Minimalism, is now on Netflix worldwide. Also, speaking of, of series, or of video work, rather, uh, Ryan and I put together this four-part animated web series called Simples. I did some voiceover stuff. It's the, the content that we wrote. And Elvin Dantes, he was kind enough to, to do the animation on all of that and so there's four episodes the first two are already out right now the first one's about to-do lists it's called someday and then uh, the second one is about money Uh, it's just called money you can find both of those and the subscribe to the rest of the series over at our youtube channel youtube.com slash the minimalists and we have one final monday with the minimalist left on april 10th 2017 on instagram live and facebook live at 2 p.m eastern time we will see you there That's right before we go on the road for our Less Is Now tour, lessisnow.com for ticket information and dates and cities and all that other fun stuff. Last but not least, advertisements suck. So our podcast is 100% advertisement-free, but you can still support the show by either donating at theminimalists.com slash donate, or if you love the show, share it with your friends and family, and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much. We've received hundreds of reviews in the last few weeks, and we're really grateful for that. We're about to, uh, if, we're, if we're not there already, hit the 2,000 review mark, and we'd love to get beyond 2,000 five-star reviews in the near future. So if you if you have just a free minute and you do get value from this, we'd love to get Uh, a little bit of your support, that helps us reach more listeners, more ears.
0: Ryan, anything else to cover? No, man. All I got are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners.
3: Hi, my name is Yasin Barra. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm uh, calling to leave a voicemail in response to the episode on jobs. Uh, There's a common thread in your work that relates to uh, living a meaningful life, and a lot of the discussion around jobs uh, tends to relate to finding meaningful work. And I think a shortcut uh, to finding meaningful work is actually to just introduce the element of helping people to pretty much any kind of work. So if you were to take any sort of job and just introduce an element of helping people to the actual content of the work, that's a direct route to finding more meaning in that work. Um, in my case, I've done just that by uh, by quitting the, the corporate job in order to start a, uh, a social enterprise. And that's kind of my uh, my tip for this, uh, this message is, um, the concept of a social enterprise is something that people maybe want to familiarize themselves with, which is to say basically conducting any sort of typical business, uh, but perhaps structured as a nonprofit where proceeds are used to advance some sort of social or environmental cause, and in that way, you're combining potentially the skills that you've, uh, you've acquired in the context of a regular job and coupling them with the idea of helping people, and uh, I've found that to be a really, really great way to find meaning in my work.
5: Hi guys, this is Katie calling from Reno, Nevada. Um, I've been listening to a lot of your episodes and I keep hearing these questions about how to be a minimalist with kids. Um, And it always makes me laugh a little bit because it's like you just need to take it to the next level, I think. Um, I have two small ones, a five-year-old and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old. And I've noticed the only way they get stuff usually is if I buy it for them. So what I do as a tip for other moms and dads and grandparents out there is Every time I'm about to buy something, I think, how much value will I get out of this? And why am I buying it? Is it just to placate them in the moment? Is it to try to buy them off so I can have five minutes of quiet time by myself? (coughs) And usually the answer to those two questions is yes, and I put it down and walk away. Um, The other thing is kids don't need that many clothes or that many toys or really that much. I mean, even with two small kids. We're still a pretty minimalist, happy household. We don't spend that much money on really anything except experiences, and our lives are a lot better for it.
4: This is Elizabeth from South Jordan, Utah, and I was just listening to your podcast about friends and relationships, and particularly your response to Rebecca's question about how to improve relationships or move on after a relationship ends. As someone who does believe that relationships are one of the things that we take with us when we go, so to speak, I really appreciate your advice on how to take inventory of relationships to make sure that we're all staying on the, on the right track and on the path that we want to be. I would add to your advice to Rebecca though, just kind of a cautionary word that the idea of not settling can sometimes turn into nitpicking. And I would say that that's a very fine line, but an important one to remember that if not settling means that you have such a long laundry list of traits that you're never able to actually commit to anyone, you're going to have a long and miserable dating life. I would also add that it's important to remember that sometimes the people who are the best for us, are the ones who challenge us the most and in many ways are the most different from us. I know that's been my experience with my relationship with my husband, and I wanted to put that out there for anyone else who's listening, that just because it might be hard or challenging doesn't mean that you're settling. In some ways, uh, you might be winning in those situations more than others.
2: All right, Jill, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call four zero six two one nine seven eight three nine. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at the And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this love people and use things. Because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
1: Every little thing you think that you need. Oh, I bet that you be fine without it. So tear your eyes away. Or oh, tear your